you know, when you start out to be an actress, you really hope that you can bring your humanity to the character and share that humanity through the character with the people in the audience. And there were many times when I was not happy on the set, when I was wishing I could leave the set. But I stuck, you know, and I did my work. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to season four of the Pop Culture Preservation Society. We can't think of a better way to kick off 2022 and open our brand new season than with a conversation with one of our Gen X icons, Karen Grassley. What a surreal moment this was for the PCPS and for each of us personally to get to interview Ma Ingalls. And you guys, she was everything we expected her to be, gracious, warm, dignified, just all around lovely. And as you can imagine, the three of us were beyond nervous to have an audience with our queen. Before she came onto our Zoom call, we were all smelling essential oils like lavender (laughs) just to try to calm down. Yet she instantly made us feel like old friends. She even complimented the prairie dresses we wore in her honor because of course we wore prairie dresses. (laughs) I love my prairie dress. It's very comfortable. It was say. like our uniform for our interview. Oh, and then she appreciated it. She did. Yeah. The fact that she noticed it, I was so touched. I really was. Yeah. She even mm-hmm. said a couple of times things like, this is just casual, or this is just very, you know, this is just very relaxed or normal. And she just, I felt like, was really intentional about making us feel comfortable. As if she could tell what a moment this was for us. I mm-hmm. really, I think she really knew. Oh, I do yeah. too. I do too. And she was so appreciative of that too, I think, of our yeah. sincere um, appreciation for her being there and for our kind of fangirling. I think she yeah. she wasn't um, put off by any of that. No, she definitely lived up to our expectations for sure. Without a doubt. We are so excited to bring you this conversation about her new memoir, Bright Lights, Prairie Dust. But for those of you expecting a book about Ma and happy memories on the prairie, we need to let you know that this isn't a book about Carolyn Ingalls. It's a book about Karen Grassley. And as much as people want to think they are the same person, they are not. That's right. This is Karen's story. It's her truth. It's not the truth we've all built for her. And we respect her so much for sharing her brave, raw, and honest story. Bright Lights Prairie Dust is available now wherever you buy books, and we cannot recommend it enough. So here is our conversation with the lovely Karen Grassley. Today is one of the most important days in the life of the Pop Culture Preservation Society because we have the great honor, the extreme privilege of hosting one of the absolute icons of our childhood, the actor who created the beloved character of Caroline Ingalls on Little House on the Prairie, Ms. Karen Grassley. And you guys, I can't even believe those words just came out of my mouth. (laughs) 
Karen is with us today because after all of this time, she has shared her story with us, her television children, in her brand new book called Bright Lights Prairie Dust, a book that sold so fast on its first day that the publisher had to scramble to print more books. Karen Grassley, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. We're so excited. Um, I just need to take one, just forgive us for one second, okay, because we need to get some initial fangirling out of the way so that we can be more adults as we move forward. So we're going to embarrass you just briefly. So let me be 10 years old for just a minute and say, I know that America's little girls were enthralled with Laura slash Melissa Gilbert, but for me, it was you. I was in love with Caroline and what you brought to that role. I need you to know that you made me feel loved by you. And that is a really amazing accomplishment. It's incredible. It's just incredible. I feel the same way. I feel, um, I just, I feel like right now my 10 year old self is too stunned to speak, which that says a lot. (laughs) If you know me, that says a lot, but honestly, I'm sitting here just very emotional, um, realizing with disbelief that I'm looking at my angles. Um, you are, you are a true, true icon to me. And I don't care what Michael Landon's test audiences said. You (laughs) were one of my two favorite characters (laughs) on that show. And it's just a tremendous honor and a life moment for me. And I can't tell you, um, that I will never. So thank you so, so much for taking yes. the time to talk to us. Today. Ditto to everything that um, Kristen and Michelle said. Um, and the joy of getting to um, feel my 10-year-old self with my 56-year-old yeah. self merging at this moment is super powerful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But I do have to ask you a question that has plagued me ever since the show was on. As a woman named Carolyn and as a girl named Carolyn, spelled C-A-R-O-L-Y-N, your ma character was called Caroline sometimes, and Michael seemed to call, or pa called you Carolyn. Please, what did ma prefer? What is the correct pronunciation? Well, we don't really know, but um, on the show, it was supposed to be Carolyn. Oh, it was? Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up because yes, the things we talk about in this triad, we're like, is it Carolyn? Is it Carolyn? No. We need to know. So thank <laughs> you for clearing that up. That makes me feel good. It's Carolyn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want to start with you at the um, talking about your amazing book that we all just, just raced through um, because we couldn't put it down. Um, and we want to start at the very beginning with a prologue. Um, but really quick before, I want you to know that I was completely engrossed and blown away by your details and your rich journey and just the recollection you had of all those amazing details. Um, my whole life, you've always just been ma. Um, I mean, besides being a kick-ass obstacle course contestant on Battle of the Network <laughs> Stars, <laughs> you've just always been ma. That's all I've ever seen you as, um, you know, until now. But your very raw and honest story opened my eyes to Karen. And Karen is so, so much more than Ma. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. And so I go to the prologue in your book, which is so impactful. And it sums it up its entire theme perfectly. 
because after describing yet another wine-fueled night, um, after yet another public appearance and a hangover-fueled car ride to the set where you lament on the losses of your dreams and idealism, you say, deep breath, I got a coffee and emerged from the makeup trailer where Larry and Whitey had put me back together. And I emerged from their caring cocoon with the head of Ma, then the wool skirt and Ma's boots, and I'd be back in the saddle, playing the strength of character, integrity, kindness, fortitude, acting. And so you set up your story right away as a struggle. And it's a struggle between Karen and Carolyn, as we can immediately see for sure. But what we're about to discover when we turn the page is that your story is also about the incredible struggle that led you to Walnut Grove and the strength you had to find to stay there. Uh, that's so beautifully put. I hope you write that down and post it somewhere. <laughs> we will. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, that is just beautifully put. Oh, well, thank you. That's, ex- that's, that's the takeaway I had from it yes. immediately. That is, that is so insightful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I feel like... Um, the kind of the, um, you know, this, the struggle is kind of a theme that carries, carries us through your story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, and the juxtaposition too is absolutely thrilling because there's this, I feel like I'm in book club. I'm in book club with Karen Grassley. Um, <laughs> there's this juxtaposition of this woman we know in frary skirts and a bonnet in her hair, but then we get to see her smoking dope in her bell bottoms. And her embroidered shirt from Mexico or, you know, stripping naked and running through the rain. I found that a thrilling thing to think about. I just loved it. And I hope people really love getting to know you that way. Thank you. Well, you know, it hasn't been a dull life. So, (laughs) and I have worked so hard at living life, you know, trying to take the lessons that have been demanded or offered to me. And so I feel like I do have something to share with people. And um, in order to do that, I had to put my story out there. And it's been a process of being willing, you know, I'm kind of a private person and being willing to show, reveal, let people know my own struggles. Mm -hmm. has that been gratifying to you oh I can't tell you now that the book is out the kind of feedback I'm getting from you women right now the fact that this character has imprinted herself on people's hearts the love I mean You know, when you start out to be an actress, you really hope that you can bring your humanity to the character and share that humanity through the character with the people in the audience. And there were many times when I was not happy on the set, when I was wishing I could leave the set. But I stuck, you know, and I did my work. And the fact that the character of Ma wasn't damaged, but that she still came through means so much to me. The fact that this love, it's like it has its own life. It's been astonishing for me, really. 
because, you know, I just go on, I live my life and I don't think about it. So to have the book come out and to get this, oh, oh, how much it counted for people. It's just been extraordinary. I'm so glad to hear that. And I was going to say, if I could just interject, um, I was going to say that we're so, you know, until we read the book and until we knew this about you, um, I just feel so grateful that while you were going through all of this turmoil um, and all of the personal and professional battles and stuff behind the camera, that you still gave us, you gave me, you gave all of us, you still gave us Ma and you gave us that that we've all held on to our whole lives. And so thank you so much for that. And thank yeah, you thank for, you. for, you know, you stuck with it. And I know after reading your book, I know a little bit, or I, I don't know, but I, I've read a little bit of how difficult it must've been at times for you to do that. But you, by doing that, you gave all of us such a gift, um, that that has just transcended decades and so um just just thank you because you succeeded in bringing like you said bringing the humanity to that character but then simultaneously through the book bringing humanity to you Karen Grassley so people can see the complete picture Uh and I do I want to go to those struggles a little bit here's here's what I learned from your book you are a warrior for women Starting in the early 60s, moving through the set of Little House on the Prairie, even in state houses and legislatures working to ratify the ERA in in all of the states. And much of this book is about what it's like to be a woman in America. And you on the set of Little House were a woman in the workplace, just like just like us, just like the rest of us. And you were minimized, you were sidelined, you were alienated and ultimately punished because you dared to ask for more. And yes, you were fighting for yourself, but in so doing, you were fighting for all women. Can you tell us a little bit about those struggles and for some of the things you were fighting for? You know, it was very basic for me. I was trying to get a raise. I mean... I wanted two things. I wanted to be paid what people in Hollywood are paid when they're on a top series. And I wanted to have some parts that would allow me to be featured on the show and and be more of a... a, Stop it, stop it. (laughs) Um, That would allow the character to come forward, you know? And as an actress that I would be more challenged, you know, I just love having a challenging part. I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's modern life right there. Yes. Um, It really is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it really is. So so those were my two goals. Mm -hmm. And I don't think those were unreasonable goals. And the fact that Mike could not respond to my request was staggering. I just, I couldn't understand it. In fact, I still don't understand it, why he took such a hard line with me. But it did cost me about two seasons of serious diminishment uh, attacks, 
and um, pain. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you something, because of my alcoholism, I took that in and I took it to myself and said, well, you know, now I'm a victim and now I'm going to drink more and I'm going to, oh, Christ. (laughs) Is that your doorbell? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I feel like I'm at home with her right now. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Just put that right here. Sure thing. Oh, thank you so much. On top of this horse. This is cinema verite, you guys. This stays in. This stays in. This people are listening right now to Karen Grassley talking to her delivery person at her front door where she lives. Oh my God. This This is real life right here. We love it. The circle light just took a dive onto the floor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be hurt. They must be very tough. The, this is so crazy. I mean, I live such a quiet life. And now you're dealing with circle lights. <laughs> and No, we love it. Uh, we said we feel like we're just at home with you now. That's so sweet of you to say, okay, well, it's candid. (laughs) It is very candid and people are going to love it. Trust me. And you were talking about, um, you were talking about fighting to be paid. Is it true that you got less than the children on the show? Oh, well, I don't know what the children got. When it was time to renegotiate contracts, one of the girl's mothers, you know, we had two Melissa's, kept her home and Mm -hmm. said she was sick. She couldn't come to work. So they settled her contract. The other Melissa had in her contract something called no favored nations, which means no other child on the show can make more than she makes. So she automatically got a raise. So I was the only one asking for a raise. And then Mike said, well, there has to be parity between you and the girls, as if I should be paid in the same vicinity as the children, which I just didn't buy. You know? No, you have second billing on the show. It says Michael right. Landon, Karen Grassley, and then a bunch of children. <laughs> well, well, I mean, they were very, very important children. Yes, yes they, they are. are. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not saying I deserved more because of my billing, but I had spent years becoming the actress Mm -hmm. that I was. Like someone who goes to medical school, you know, they they make more as a doctor. I mean, so I I was like, that's that's not going to work. I mean, that was just one of his angles, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to get me to stop asking and did you succeed in getting um getting more storylines for carolyn i got in my contract two episodes a year so at that time we did either 22 or 24 episodes so that was like one percent yeah a tenth of the yeah a tenth of the the, um, Mm -hmm. so it was not great but it was better than not at all it's taking a stand, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it's because of it's because of 
that clause, I'm assuming that we get probably the most memorable episode in the entire run of the series. If you ask people, what's your most memorable Little House episode? 100% of the people say a matter of faith when Ma tried to cut off her own leg. 100% of the people. Absolutely. In our world, we think so. Unscientific <laughs> survey. But when I ask people, I've never heard anyone say anything except remember when Ma tried to cut off her own leg? Well, it sticks with you. It doesn't go away. So thank you for fighting for that. Thank you for fighting that. Um, You mentioned addiction previously, and addiction is a thread that runs through this book. And at one point you say, um, I suffer from terminal politeness. Years of research had taught me how trapped a woman could be by the good girl syndrome, trapped into not speaking your mind, trapped into taking responsibility for other people's moods, trapped into trying to fix everything. None of us here in in this virtual room is a stranger to addiction, whether it's you, your spouse, a parent, a child, we're, we have all been touched by it. And your book shows how alcoholism creates unhealthy behaviors between loved ones. It taught you how to be the good girl with your father. And then this continued with Michael Landon, who had his own behavior stemming from alcoholism. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that affected your life? I just think this is something so many people will identify with. Well, you know, when I was first on the show and I realized uh, what hard drinking guys, the Bonanza guys had been, and that Mike was drinking uh, at work, I was like, wow, you know, I I never drank like these people. Mm -hmm. And I sort of could justify, you know, that I wasn't as bad as they were. Um, But there was a lot of drinking and the bar was open every day when they called a rap. And everybody's favorite drink was available. Um, oftentimes, the children were had already gone home by the time the bar was open, but they knew what was going on. Um, in my own case, I wasn't drinking while I was on the set. So then I justified myself that after a hard day's work, I deserved a drink. Mm-hmm. You know, it helped me relax. So... The rationalizations began, and as times got tough after I asked for a raise, then I had even more reasons. You know, you'd drink too if you had my problems and the way they treat me, blah, blah, blah. And um, it all uh, accentuated each other. So it's a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Um, the the stuff I had acquired as the child of an alcoholic um, had made me a good worker, uh, an anxious person, but a very responsible person, ready to do the job, you know, step up, uh, take responsibility. You know, there are a lot of good qualities that also come from that kind of codependence. And we make very good employees because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're preaching to the choir here, just right. <laughs> so, you know. we're all nodding, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, when I was working on Battered, I realized this is the trap of the good girl and how it sets you up to be victimized. And mm-hmm. so the whole, you know, the whole experience was an education. And at the same time, it was me having to come to terms with my own 
frailties and my own disease. Right. But the the opportunity that you were given, I want to follow up with the discussion about battered because that was probably, I loved this entire book, but what you have done for domestic abuse and the awareness that you were trying to bring to it back in the 70s um, hits very close to home for me. I work with domestic abuse victims. I'm an advocate to know that in 1975, St. Paul was one of only two, there was the shelter in St. Paul was one of only two in the country, blew my mind. Um, Having recently watched Battered, I, I kind of had to stop at a point because I thought, so much hasn't changed yet. This was 46 years ago. And so much of the story that you told is still happening today. Granted, there are more shelters, thank goodness, sadly, because there are a lot more people that need the shelters too. Um, But I want to thank you for bringing that um, to the screen and for pursuing that and for realizing this happens to everybody. Um, And so can you tell me a little bit more about that experience for you? And are you still involved in advocacy work in terms of domestic abuse? No, I'm not. After I did a number of years of that, um, I had to disengage from it because it was just too much. It is. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I kind of had burnout. And when people started to ask me questions that I had answered, you know, so many times before, I started to feel really irritable. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not right. So I had to let that go. But as a result of the book, I'm happy that I get to speak to it again. Yes. You know? Yes. um, Thank you for your work. I mean, that is really a tough, tough job. Well, it is, but making people more aware. And I feel like you really opened the door to that. It was something that wasn't spoken about. And like you even talk about in your book, it was easy to say, just leave, or you thought it only happened to a certain demographic. Um, And that's exactly what I thought until it happened um, to somebody I know and love very well. And you see it differently then. And I was the one who used to say, just leave, just leave. Right. Why do they stay? I would right. stay. Right. Yeah. And you did such a great job in the movie of kind of showing that um, in some cases it's generational. Um, certainly what you see um, in your uh, past kind of repeats itself sometimes. But um, just to see that on the screen, I think, had to be powerful for many, many women. Of course, mm-hmm. we were young at the time. Um but just to maybe be seen and see your your story on the screen was powerful. Yeah, well, I think that was a breakthrough. Yes. That was a breakthrough, definitely. And the, the timing of it was important for various legislators and for getting funding for shelters. Yes. Um, and as you say, uh, we're still very troubled with violence um, all the shelters are always full, so it's a heartbreak. And where can we address that? It's got to be. It's got to be earlier, right? It's got right. to be. Uh, how, how I was going to say it's multi-level because um, you again in the movie show um, just the justice system in regards to domestic uh, abuse is super difficult to navigate. Not um, not at all. 
um, friendly toward the victim. It makes you feel victimized all again going through it, which dissuades a lot of um, people, not just women, but people that are abused to seek help. So um, hopefully we will continue that fight. And we thank you for, you know, bringing it really to the public's eye. I think you can pat yourself on the back that you did the really the first um, kind of mainstream storyline to bring that um, to our eyes. So thank you for that. You mentioned, Carolyn, that, you know, we were the importance of that movie must have been for so many people and that we were just children. But I think for many people our age, this this movie paired with The Burning Bed starring Farrah Fawcett was Mm -hmm. the first time that this issue was brought to my consciousness. I did not know that this was a thing. So Mm. it was a very educational moment for me, even as a child. Did I understand it completely? No, but you put it on my radar. Mm -hmm. Well, let's switch directions a little bit. Why don't we (laughs) lighten things up a little bit? (laughs) Yes, we are. We're going to switch directions a little bit um, because as fans of the show, um, I mean, honestly, Little House on the Prairie was the most memorable and impactful show Um, of most of our Gen X childhoods. Um, And we know our listeners want to hear about the good times, the fun memories. So what are some of your most memorable favorite moments from the show? Well, first of all, I loved the pilot because I was getting to know everybody. We were all strangers. We were this small unit isolated, out of town. And in that way, we were parallel to this little family that was finding its way. So I think that was very meaningful for us as a cast. And um, I remember one day in particular that was fun when we worked inside a huge Quonset hut, you know, like they have when they put on the fair. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, um, they brought in a lot of dirt, so it would be the prairie. And they brought in some of the wild grasses and sage and so on. And um, we would shoot like a night sequence in there where you couldn't tell that we weren't outside. And so one of those scenes where we're sitting outside the wagon and maybe Pa is playing the violin and the fire. (laughs) is going, you know, it's very warm and very sweet. And during the break, I looked at my arm and oh my goodness, there was a ladybug there. I said, oh girls, look, a ladybug, this is good luck. And then we started to see them. They were everywhere. It turned out it was winter, you know, and it turned out that the heaters that had been brought into the Quonset hut to heat things up so that between shots we were a little more comfortable had hatched the eggs of the, yes, that were on all these wild grasses. So we had a real uh, field day that day with the ladybugs. That's adorable. Yeah. That's adorable. Story. Can I ask you a question about the pilot? Because you mentioned in the book that you loved the pilot, but there was one scene um, that you didn't like your acting in. Do you remember what that scene was? Yeah, but I think they've cut it. Oh, oh. thank goodness. No, just 
was well, a bummer. It was kind of a strange thing where, okay. you know, Mike was um, a new director, very talented, and there were things he wanted to try that he had seen in maybe art movies. Oh, of course. <laughs> so there was a scene where I'm supposed to be scared of these two Indian graves who are uh, coming into the cabin and they're going to take pause tobacco and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike had me do this weird thing where my eyes went to one <laughs> side and they went to the other side. And I did what he said, but I was not thrilled when I saw it on the screen. But I think they've taken that out now because this is kind of funny. I just okay. watched it last night and it's not in there. Yeah, I just read. There is no funky eyes. <laughs> I'd love person. to know if you have your own favorite episode from Little House. Hmm, I, I, my favorite is the pilot, but um, for episodes, I think I like uh, Olsen versus Olsen, where we go on strike. Oh, yes. I think that's fun. Uh, my girlfriend, Chris Abbott, and I came up with that idea, and I think it was very uh, successful in a way of bringing women's rights into the show, uh, which was, you know, that was late in the show. Yeah. Over the years, I had just been, you know, like pressing, gently pressing <laughs> for Ma's character to be, you know, more strong more and to find those moments that would let people know that she wasn't just you know mild and sweet but she was you know fortitude yes and in the book you reveal that this makes so much sense and everybody who has ever had a boss will understand this that you couldn't necessarily just take that idea to Michael Landon that you had to sort of pass it through your friend so that he wouldn't automatically reject it. Well, what I would do is I would find something that I thought was not the best choice, maybe. And then I would try to rewrite it at home with my boyfriend, say, well, how can we make this scene work? And then I would go in and say, you know, I've been thinking about that scene as if I had not done all this extra. <laughs> this just came to me. Yeah. yeah. And I would do that both with Mike and with the other director, too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get changes. But Mike was very open in season one, mm. many afternoons. We sat there in those, you know, yellow director's chairs and rewrote material and changed scenes And he let me bring a lot of my mother to the character. Wow. Wow. And you say, in the um, A Matter of Faith, you say that even though that came uh, in a season where you were missing that kind of camaraderie you had with him, you say that he kind of, you kind of got back to that a little. Like he didn't like maybe how some of the things were shot. And you really appreciate when you saw it too, you really were like, oh, you're right. That's. And you kind of got back to that for a moment and you were able to reshoot some important key scenes in a matter of faith 
that you both kind of reworked. That's what, how I read it in the book. Maybe I correct me if I'm wrong, but that you were both able to kind of come to a good place with yeah. some of the really important scenes. And you really appreciated that, that like, oh, this feels good. This yeah. feels like season one, you yeah, know, this Karen is, and Mike. Exactly. Yeah. That was exactly the way it happened, you know, was that all of a sudden we were just two artists working together again and all the rest of that stuff fell away. It was marvelous. Yeah, I was it Yuri? I was just going to say, I loved that part. Um, but then I think one of your next sentences is something like, but it didn't last. Yeah, it and I was just like, shoot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's reality. I mean, that's how oh. it goes. Um, so I need you to know that I learned about menopause from Little House on the Prairie and from Carolyn Ingalls. <laughs> I had oh. never heard of this thing called menopause before. And I turned to my mom and I'm like, what is she talking about? She can't have <laughs> babies anymore. What is this? And, you know, the explanation was brief. And then my mom ran from the room, I'm sure. But nonetheless, it is to you, it is to your credit that I was understanding this for the very first time. And if you think about when this was, you know, was this 1980 or 1981 or something like that? Except for Edith Bunker, I don't think anyone had ever approached that on TV before. Was that something that you had brought to the writers? How did menopause get on Little House on the Prairie? I, I don't know. Um, but I think it must have been from a writer having this experience or from um, a writer's wife having this experience and having this emotional reaction that mm -hmm. she was somehow less of a woman because she was no longer going to be fertile. Frankly, when I read that, I was furious. I was like, wait a minute. This is not the only way that a woman has value is if she can pop babies out, you know? <laughs> right. So I I had a little trouble with that episode. It was, was hard for me that Carolyn was negating herself. Mm-hmm. Well, and it does show that's very interesting because it, it can be it can be put forward as a women's issue, but really it was kind of seen through a man's lens. Mm -hmm. Right. The whole episode was really through a man's lens. And mm -hmm. I even wondered, um, because I was confused as a child when I was watching it, like why is why is she sad about this? <laughs> Honestly, when I first when I got my period for the first time, all I could say was I, I can't wait to get pregnant so I don't have it again. And I can't wait to have to go through menopause. Like I was just did not want that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We so, celebrate our menopause here. There's a tragedy here. here, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you said it very well, you know, it was um, a woman's uh, issue, but it wasn't told from a woman's uh -huh. point of view. You mm -hmm. know, I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> On the prairie. Oh, God. I'm watching, you know, like I said, the handyman the other night, and she's, he cuts his arm and she's wrapping it, which, you know, she's ripping up all the, just for a cut. I can't imagine what you have to do for, you know, when you have your period on the prairie. On the period on the prairie. And you've got the, the it's just the uh, outhouse, you know, yes. that's not clean. <laughs> In the winter. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Don't even. <laughs> yeah, poor oh. Laura oh, and Mary and Ma having to go out there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Wait, can well, I say one thing we haven't yes. mentioned? And um, 
Karen, I feel like I should call you Miss Grassley, but um, but Please call I, me Karen. thank you. Okay, I feel like I needed to ask your permission. But one thing maybe you've noticed, but we haven't mentioned, is um, we all <laughs> we're all wearing our curry dresses from Target. <laughs> I love it. I wondered where they came from. Yeah, tar- so love last, it. last year, last spring, one of us was at Target and we were like, what's with the prairie dresses? Like, why is Target selling prairie dresses? And so we had decided, well, let's all buy them. We don't know when we might need them. Maybe we'll, we're, we're in Minneapolis. So we thought maybe we'll take a field trip to Walnut Grove. You know, maybe we'll go to Mankato. Maybe we'll, we don't what know. Sleep but BI. They were all like $11. So we said we need them. And we've never had an opportunity to wear them. And so we decided this was the perfect opportunity so mm-hmm. we are dressed in Ma's honor today in our prayer Thank you. You know, I, I noticed them right away, but uh, we just didn't uh, go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I we needed it. to get you in know? the right headspace. Right. We did. so fun. Yeah, okay. I would like, next, I would love to have you comment on some fun quotes and little factoids from the book. Um, these are some things that popped out to us. So first... Can you tell the listeners what TV show you watched the night before your Little House screen test? Yes, um, the Walton's Christmas special. <laughs> I love that oh, so much. The irony is so great. I had this TV oh with um, rabbit ears. No one knows what that is anymore. Just yeah. us. <laughs> but yeah. there were, there, you know, we had no cable, uh, no hookups, so... Um, we had no money basically. So I was watching it and there was all snow on the screen. Not not snow like in the story. That's static snow. Right. Just <laughs> white dots everywhere. And I was listening with all my mind to hear what that show was that everybody was saying was such a tremendous hit. And that maybe this one was something like it to try to get the tone, you know, of what, what are they doing? So that was my prep. That's so, That's so amazing. It's and like all my worlds coming together. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's so great. Did you have any favorite guest stars that, to, that you worked with on the show? No, it was, for me, it was very fun when Johnny and June Cash came on. Oh, oh I bet. I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh gosh, there were some that were a particular thrill. Um, the actor from the Wizard of Oz. Who, oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Ray Bol- is Ray Bolger. Bolger. Yeah, Ray Bolger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these people were legends, you know? Yeah. Well, we think Jason Bateman was kind of cool back then too. We love him now, but he we was, love Jason Bateman yes, we love Jason podcast, Bateman. Yes. Well, you he know, was he about was, our age when he was your son on um, Little House on the Prairie. He's a little, is he our age? Is he our age? Or he's, he's a little, little younger little than we are. Oh, he's younger? Is oh, he younger than he? me? I'm the baby of the group. I like to remind them that all the time. I'm only the baby by what? 367 days. That's 300. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, well, another. As my son is very fond of saying, you know, we have this little computer in our pocket. We can look it up to see how old. <laughs> yeah. Is. It's more and fun to guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, another another tidbit from your book. This is the kind of stuff I just love to know. You say that you and you you like to call her Scotty, right? So that was um, Mrs. Olson, um, Catherine McGregor, correct? 
and you say that you all were just your chums, right? You you got yeah. along great, and you have some of, I mean, I would say some of, but for me, the most some of just the most iconic scenes. Um, oh, the haggling for eggs and just yeah. such great scenes. So was that just was that just fun to play with her like totally. that? Yeah, we loved it. We loved it when we first met. The first thing was I said, well, you want to rehearse? And, you know, you're kind of trepidatious because you never met this actor before in your life. You're going to do a scene on camera in just a few minutes. You don't know how they work. You don't know if they like to rehearse. So you offer, right? Then you want to run it, Mm, trying not to care too much. And she was on it, you know. And the two of us just loved to run those scenes so that we had complete freedom when it would come time to shoot them, you know, and we just loved it being just sparring with each other. It was so fun. She was a real partner to you. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Those were some of the scenes too, where you really got to see Carolyn's personality that you didn't get to see a lot of other times, maybe in the little house. I mean, I mm-hmm. loved nothing more than when Carolyn would just should try to fight it back, but then she couldn't. There's sometimes when she just gives it back to her, just but in a Carolyn way, in a Carolyn Ingalls right. way. There's still a, there's even still a little bit of respect there, but um, yeah, I I thought those were a little passive aggressive. Fun, fun mm-hmm. to watch, mm-hmm. and they were fun to shoot. They were thrilling and fun for us to watch, even as children. Mm, totally fun. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say thank you for fighting the good fight and not, you know, so often you could have just thrown in the towel or whatever, but you persevered. And I think you um, you did a lot for, I'm sure even women in the industry to just go like, you can just keep on one foot in front of the other and not give up. So mm-hmm. we appreciate mm-hmm. that. And that was probably after finishing the book, um, just the realization that, yes, we love Ma and Carolyn Ingalls. But we really love Karen Grassley and yeah. the impact you really made um, on our lives goes so much deeper than that television show and continues right now. You are an inspiration as the three of us are writers. Um, Kristen has a book that's going to be coming out at, at oh, some point. And so we, um, From we admire. Press. Yes. I'll say that again. So she hears So you. this is the part of the show where I get to tell everybody what I, all the things that I have in common with Karen Grassley. Hmm. And that is that my book will be coming out from She Writes Press in spring of 2023. So we share a publisher. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We're the same. Yeah. We're basically yeah. just the same. Yeah. Oh, that's very <laughs> exciting. Do send Thank me you. Uh, uh, information about that. And, I would love to. Oh, I will definitely so do that. Great. Oh, I yeah. love that. But again, you um, you inspire us with, look, you're um, a woman of a certain age, but that didn't stop you from putting this book out, from going and talking to people like us. And it's it's just never too late to live a dream, share your story. And we are so grateful for that. So, grateful. so thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. You, so you know, I didn't mean for it to take this long. But I'm very glad that I got this book out before I turned 80. I'm going to turn 80 on my next birthday. And um, instead of feeling like, oh, we better not let anybody know, you know, our age. I'm like, 80. Wow. Yeah. You, yes. Look what I've done. Like, right. yeah. Made it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always loved telling people how old I am. I'm yeah. 53. 
I'm 53. Right. Just well, letting you all know. Because you look like a little doll all the time. Oh, thanks. Doesn't she? I know. She does, yes. <laughs> it's our dresses, too. It's, it's the prairie dress. dress. Yeah, it's the um, prairie and then, dress. Karen, something really important that we need to mention is that this conversation would not have been possible without our good friend Shane. And it was Shane who brought our gifts to you, at, and some of his own, actually, he added, to your book launch um, in November um, and what you probably didn't notice about Shane is that he is actually legally blind. Um, he has macular degeneration and it's gotten to the point where he can't really read anymore. Mm-hmm. And Shane is a huge fan of yours and is dying to hear your story. And so he's wondering, and we're wondering if your book will be coming out on audible eventually. Yes. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to Shane yeah. For those darling gifts that you sent, it was just remarkable, so personal and so touching. And this gorgeous bunch of flowers, I mean, really fantastic. And I'm very, very grateful for you reaching out to me on that important day in my life. And um, I know, of course, I had no idea that he had any visual impairment whatsoever um and um my audiobook will be coming out on december 28th yes he's gonna be thrilled i will text him right after this he's become such a dear friend of ours and a huge supporter and he will okay i'll let you finish but he will be that'll be the best christmas present that is the best christmas present for him he was so excited great yeah so that'll be out and um, I got a link this morning uh, that showed that Audible will be carrying it. Um, so we'll get that link up on my website by okay. next week. Okay. Excellent. Okay. We'll share that as well on ours and uh-huh. Great. all of that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what wonderful. Are you news. reading the book and and do you, do yes. you get it? Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Well, then we have to I'm listen so to glad. it again, girls. We can't. Yes, we do. Now I need to hear the whole story with your voice. <laughs> well, All right, I, well. <laughs> I was so happy that they asked me to do it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I, I knew that over the years, so many people have had this relationship to this voice. Oh, yes. so voice. true. That you is so, so true. I, so I, I was really crossing my fingers right. and when they asked me, I was like, yes, this is the way it should be. Well, That's I can fantastic. tell you um, a little um, secret and Shane doesn't know this either, but we had decided the three of us that if, um, if it wasn't going to be coming out soon on an audiobook, that the three of us were going to read it aloud and send it to him in Whoa. snippets so he could at least hear it because he was so wonderful to go to your signing and to get us the books and him, you know, he got himself one as well. And, and, um, but we, we said, Oh, this will be great. Then Shane can hear the story, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same if it's not ma. It's got to be it. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he will get to hear it. Yeah. That's that's a really nice story. I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) He's, yeah. a, he's a great friend. And so, that is yeah. why we're here today. I mean, really, uh-huh. Shane just knocked it out of the park. And you were receptive, and we're so grateful yeah. for that. Well, you all you all made that outreach, and he did it so beautifully. And uh, so I felt this gratitude. I said, well, we got to find out where are these people and what are oh. they doing? 
Thank you. <laughs> We're not doing anything. We're just Nothing. hanging out in Nothing. Minneapolis. So I need our listeners to know too, if you've been reading Karen's book along with us, or if you're inspired to get your own copy, I need to tell you that one of the most important things that you can do for any author is leave a review wherever people buy books online. Online reviews are like the engine that help authors keep their jobs. So you can also check out goodreads.com. It's an online book community where you can leave reviews and get recommendations. And Goodreads is one of the best places for people to learn about Karen's book. And you'd be doing the whole book community a huge service. So Karen Grassley, this has been the absolute privilege of a lifetime. And if somebody had told me in 1976 that I would be having an actual face-to-face conversation with the woman who created Carolyn Ingalls, there's just no way to translate that. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our Midwestern Walnut Grove adjacent hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all. It's just been marvelous being with you. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Well, I hope that, you know, maybe we'll talk again soon. We're going to have to do this again for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to get you to come out to Minneapolis and then we'll drive to Walnut Grove, have a little party there, drive to Mankato. Wear prairie dresses. I I might be coming to Walnut Grove in the summer. We're there. Yeah, we're we're so there. Well, if, you know, you have our information. I mean, yes, you have our email address. The ball is in your court, but just (laughs) know know that we would love, love, love to be a part of that in any way. And yeah. we would be there in prairie dresses. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Great. Have some fun. <laughs> yes. We need another reason to wear them. That was an unforgettable conversation for the four of us, for sure. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back to our regular episodes next week as season four continues. And if you'd like to see the video recording of this conversation with Karen Grassley and our awesome prairie dresses, stay tuned. There will be an opportunity for you to do just that starting February 1st on patreon.com. Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song